Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood with Julie Plunk. Hey, hey. John Paul Basham. Yo. Producer Nathan. What's up? We're excited because uh, producer Nathan, we have required him to have a mic. That's right. Because there's been (laughs) now there's going to be all kind. This may be the last time, but there's been several times where we've said something and he hasn't had a mic. And there, there we did one recently where you were saying Mm -hmm. something and I was just having to say what you said over and over. But now... Now I've got the mic. Now now we're ready. (laughs) Hey, we want to thank you for listening to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. If you haven't left a rating and review yet, we would love for you to do that. It helps other people find this podcast when they search for student ministry content uh, wherever they're listening to podcasts. So... Uh, we would love for you to do that and you know, it helps people find it, but also we do read every single one of those. Um, and we want to know how we can better serve you, the student ministry leader through the podcast. So thank you in advance for doing that. Today's topic, habits of high achievers. So here's the thing, like, I, I guess just to kind of set the table for this topic and, and we'll talk through some, this is by no means the definitive list of habits that high, highly effective people or high achievers, this isn't like the only list. There are going to be some things that we don't hit on this, but at the same time, I th- hope that you as a student pastor want to be a high achiever, like that this is that you approach what you do every single day as something that you want to get better in, that you want to grow, that you want to grow in, and that you want to achieve things in. With that said, here's the foundation I'd like to lay out, though, is that you are not identified, loved, accepted based on your achievement. And yet at the same time, because God's calling is an important one and does have kingdom implications for us, we should want to achieve not to earn, but because it is such an amazing calling and blessing and responsibility that God's placed on our lives. Yeah, and that's a balance that I think any, well, for me as a communicator, when I am getting ready to step onto the stage and preach, I feel like this is something that I wrestle with every time. Because there's an internal struggle, maybe tied to my Enneagram 3 profile that wants people to say, he was great. You know, that's the struggle. So yeah. I'm always praying, Lord, let me get me out of this equation in my my own mind that I'm not preaching to impress somebody. I just preached a dean now this past weekend and the senior pastor was there the whole time. And every single time I was having to pray and like ask the Lord to to bring me down off of this need to impress the senior pastor with every one of those messages because he was there watching. And so on one hand, it's like, yeah, you need to be striving to preach the best message that you've preached every time you preach because there's a responsibility to deliver the truth of the word in the most effective way possible so that the people can be grown and matured by it. But at the same time, there's you have to let go of what that does for you personally platform wise reputation wise no, you know that you're not seeking for your notability but for God's renown yeah 
Man, I think that distinction is really important. And, and I, because it's not bad to achieve. Like, it's not a sin to achieve. It's not a sin to accomplish things. It's not a sin for your ministry to grow, for you to grow, for you to gain some type of platform, whether that's if influence in your church or beyond. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. And with the proper mindset, like you just articulated, they're actually things that are really good because they give us an opportunity to point people back to the one who gave us mm. yeah. those achievements. Yeah. But you, man, it's it's so easy to to stand on the stage and go, man, I've got I've got to hit a home run. Whether that stage is in front of your parents in your student ministry or your students or you're traveling and doing something somewhere else, whatever that moment is with. However many people are there, yeah, it's really easy for us to fall into that, I want people to think I'm great. Man, I think about the call to reach the ethnos, you know, that we have, that is a high call that's going to take an incredible amount of achievement because God has placed that call on our shoulders. He chooses to use us to go reach the nations. So there's a there's an incredibly high call on our lives as people of the word, as carriers of the gospel, to take that to every corner, Yeah, which requires a lot of doing, a lot of organization, a lot of vision casting, a lot of planning and, and implementation. So there is, it's, it's built into what we're called to that we're doing one, we're doing something bigger than we could ever do on our own. But it's like we've talked about that our pastor in Virginia used to say, work like it depends on you, but pray knowing it depends on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think it's this, like, yeah, we, we have to achieve. As good stewards of what God has called us to, we have to achieve and we have to want to achieve or we're being lazy about our call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My mentor in college always used to tell me, lead through the lens of Philippians 2. And she would just say that phrase all the time, lead through the lens of Philippians 2. And if you're, she would always remind me to check my motivation because I am very driven by doing the checklist and trying to be best at everything I put my mind to. And she would always be like, have you read Philippians 2 lately? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure your motivation is getting a little <laughs> off. And so she's like, as long as you're leading through that lens, your motivation is going to stay in tune with what the Holy Spirit and you know, Christ is showing us in the word. So it's always a good reminder for me. That yeah. is good. The danger I think that happens to some and, and what I see taking place a little bit is that people who struggle with the identity stuff of the achiever part of it, like I define myself by what I've achieved and I, I struggle with that. And those who would struggle between holy ambition and selfish ambition, the caution is I want to be as far away from selfish ambition as possible. So it drives me into a place where I don't achieve, mm -hmm. where I actually sit back. And you use the phrase where we could become lazy in our calling, John Paul. Right. And I think that for some, that is a reaction to, man, I feel this selfish ambition in me, or I feel like I am defining myself by my achievement, maybe not even over the period of a time, but from one Wednesday night to the next. And man, like if you're living that way, like I've been there and it sucks. Like it feels terrible to live rating yourself on achievement from week to week. But, but the caution is 
that we don't seek the Lord in those things or that we say, I'm going to seek the Lord in those things by removing myself so far away that we don't even know what holy ambition is anymore. And we lose all achievement for the sake of the kingdom in an effort to stay away from those things that we struggle with. And I think that's a wrong reaction. That's too far of a reaction because, again, I love the phrase that you use. That's what puts us in that laziness in our calling. I'm not even going to get close to that because I'm scared of what it does for me, so I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. And I'm going to be content to not grow personally, and I'm going to be content if my ministry doesn't grow, and I'm going to be content if my ministry doesn't reach a bunch of people because, or reach anyone because I'm just going down deep with these, this handful that I've got. And, I, man, I think sometimes that phrase is used to hide our removal of ambition and achievement. And maybe even sometimes just comfort with where we are, too. Because sometimes we can get into a place of acceptable achievement. Yeah. That this is the cultural norm or standard in our community or in our church or in, in, in your specific ministry and so this is the level of achievement that you know you have to maintain in order for a, an annual review to not go south on you. <laughs> right. And you can find yourself in a, in a place where you're not trying to stretch that and you're not trying to see what's the, what's the new boundary, what's the next leadership level that I can, that I can move to. And we, we don't look at those things that are acting as lids for us in, in the moment. Yeah. So as we, we kind of like set the stage for this, and I hope that as you listen, that you've, you've started to wrestle a little bit with what achievement looks like in your context, because I do think that this is a contextual thing. It's going to look different for a lot of us, but the root of it is, is that our calling necessitates for us a desire for God-honoring kingdom expanding achievement. And with that, I think there are some really clear practical things that people who are high achievers do from not just in ministry. Like this is an area we've talked on the podcast before about um, some different organizational or business principles that can cross over into ministry world. And I think this is one of those topics. Like there are people that are able to achieve in a worldly context, a great deal of things that we can learn from and grab some of the fruit that they, they have borne out in their life and apply it to ministry. So uh, one of the things um, that first for me in habits of high achievers is that you're, that someone is able to manage their time, that they know how much time they have and that they're able to organize that in such a way to put them in a place to achieve things. And I think sometimes you have to do that daily because you're, who knows what's going to happen, especially as a, a student minister, what could have happened the night before that you have to deal with. But sometimes even every morning I have to look at, okay, what do I have going on today? What's most important? What do I need to deal with first? It's it's not even necessarily a weekly thing. It, can, it needs to be a daily thing sometimes. I feel like I'm doing this every day because it's someone who is a high achiever is always going to have more opportunity 
or achievement than they have time for in any day to get something done. And so I think there's the combo of prioritizing what the most important things are and calendaring like these things have to get done and they're going to get a block of space to make sure that nothing else steps on that time. And then there, for me, there are those blocks of time where I know I've got a working checklist of things that I have to knock out. And so every day the prioritization exercise that happens is knocking a few of those things off the checklist and then figuring out what things now now need to rise to the top, either because they've been at the bottom of the checklist for a week now and they need to come to the top so people aren't waiting on something, or because something has developed and now this is a more attainable checklist item or you know, what there's a thousand scenarios. But I think there's a healthy mix of planning out a week, a month. The other day, Ben and I were talking about something, and Ben, I asked you for permission to pursue that in like two months because it's something that's super important, but there's already like eight or nine other things that we're chasing after really hard. So what I went ahead and did is calendared two months from now. I don't remember the day, but I blocked out of time. Kick off this. Yeah this new conversation. And so that's there. It's waiting. My calendar is going to remind me because I won't remember that week. I'll roll in. It'll cue me. And okay, now we've got a new, a new project going. So I think it's a mix of that long-term versus daily priorities. Man, I think that's a great example because not, there will be things that come in your path as a student ministry leader that you won't be able to say, okay, I can do that in two months or I can do it in three weeks. But right. there are things that can wait. And knowing which ones can wait and which ones you need to take care of right now is a huge step in you becoming a more organized person. And like this is a great example of that because, yeah, like this is an important thing, but it doesn't have to be started right now. And for it to be jammed in, you're either not going to have as high quality in the other things that you're working on, you're going to tax the team too much, or it's going to put something that is a higher priority down on the list in order to get that kicked off right away. And so like that's a that's a real life example that we have in our office, but the same things happen in your office, so to speak, all the time. And it, it, it just really points to the fact that if you live your life by whatever hits my desk today, I'm going to accomplish, then you're never going to have the margin in your life to be able to accomplish yeah. what's out there that's greater. And that kind of leads right into one of the ones that I put down as a, as a habit is being able to say no. And this isn't necessarily saying no in this scenario, but it is realizing I I don't have any space or it wouldn't be wise for me to pursue that in this moment because of the other things that are happening. And so in this case, it's not a no, but it's, can we wait a little bit on this to create some room? There are some times though, and I can go back to so many examples as a student pastor, people are going to ask you for anything under the sun because you kind of just become a go-to <laughs> in a lot of ways. Just families that are in the church, hey, could you do this, you know? Yeah, well, you have more touch points with the number of people in your church than, than anyone else except the senior pastor, just because of the family ministry mm-hmm. side of it. Yeah. People are just going to come up to you. Yeah, so you have to be able to say no 
and realize it's okay to say no. You're not letting people down. You're you're not somehow not fulfilling your calling by saying no. And even when it's a a direct, you know, your direct report that you're talking the the person that you report to, my word. <laughs> when it's your boss. <laughs> That's right. Uh, even if it's them asking, there is a way to be in communication and have a strong enough relationship with somebody that you report to, to be able to say no respectfully and then hear that and understand that. And they may say, that's fine. Can we chase this down later? Or they may say, you know what? You're right. This isn't the most important thing on your list. Let's look for someone else or whatever, but you've got to get to that place. I remember one guy when we, when Ben and I first got to Virginia, he had just kicked off the year of no because he was totally incapable of saying no. So he literally said no to everything, which I think is extreme. <laughs> Maybe not do that. That some people are like, man, that would be so nice. Yeah, the year of no, he held to it. Wow. He did not do jack for me <laughs> that year. That's quite frustrating, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that doesn't feel right. No. He also no. wasn't part of the student team. Right. But We had a Christmas holiday like that just for our family a few years ago where we just wanted it to be a very restful break for us and we just said no to almost every Christmas party every birthday party not to be mean but we just needed to just have a sabbatical and have a rest just with our family and it was wonderful yeah I wish I could do that more because I really struggle with saying no I would highly recommend the boundaries book by Henry Cloud it's really good and it's about that subject on when to say yes and when to say no and how to do that in like you said respectful way and it is uh it makes your yeses more powerful, more meaningful when you can say no. And I think the real art to this topic specifically is knowing who you're speaking to, the things that you can say no to, and how the no needs to be articulated in that moment. I mean, John Paul, you and I have worked together for a lot of years, and when we emailed about the the issue that you described, it was like, yeah, that's totally fine. Wait two months. Had you come back and said, I just can't do that, there would have been a really different response to that. Sure. And so just like knowing how to have that conversation shows a lot of emotional intelligence, emotional awareness on your part. And that's one way that as as you, as a listener to this, that you can lead up that way, even if what you need to say no to or not right now to is to someone that supervises you, knowing how to have that conversation is huge for this. And it earns you credibility. It earns you opportunities to be able to do more because that supervisor is going to look at that and say, man, like they're organized. They've got their things together. Here are the priorities I'm working through right now. I can fit this in, in this spot, and I will get it done and get back to you. Like that says a whole lot more than just no. Yeah. And I think it's important that, that you, that you know that when don't just leave the podcast and say, I'm going to say no to the next thing <laughs> without any context, <laughs> without any filter, without any explanation. That needs to be a conversation. I don't know. I think that could be really fun. 
<laughs> as long as we get Challenge. the story of what yeah. happened, it could be fun. If if you were to just say, no matter what, almost just like as a joke, no matter what, the next thing somebody asks me for, I'm saying no. Even if you turn around 10 minutes later after you wait for the res- the shock of the response. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was listening to this podcast, and that was the challenge. They told me to say no. Yeah. So, so far we have uh, being able to manage your time and establish daily priorities, weekly priorities, monthly priorities uh, as a part of this habits of high achievers. It's something that I do as well. I have daily priorities that my focus is to get those things done before the running list of to-dos. And you, your calendar has to match your priorities. If you just make a list and then your calendar doesn't, provides you opportunity to accomplish that list, then you're just wasting paper and ink or device time by making a list. Yeah. So your calendar has to match that. And then part of that process in, in prioritizing items that you have to do is being willing to say no and knowing what to say no and yes to. So with that, what are some other habits? I was going to say keeping work at work as much as possible. I know that Working in a church looks very different than working at Lifeway or maybe what we do day to day. Uh, my husband is the missions pastor at our church, so I'm well aware that work just happens sometimes in the quote unquote after hours. But for the most part, Brady's done a great job of working hard to when he's home, he's with me and he's with the kids and He's done a good job of uh, separating the two because I think it allows him to refocus to re-motivate and kind of revive for the next day. Or if he does have to work, he'll at the beginning of the week, he'll even say, Julie, I just have a really busy week this week. Is there a night that you want to get some work done too? And then we'll do work. We're in the same room. We may not be conversing a lot, but we're both working. And it's just been really helpful for our family. That's good. I think that's something to acknowledge. And we all can, having had church ministry staff experience, that a job on a church staff is just a different animal than a lot of other jobs. Yeah. And so there's some level of accepting when you're when you're in a role like that, that you know there's going to be after hour, you know there are going to be things that you're doing outside of when everybody else is typically working. And if you're married, your spouse understands that too. Uh, it's probably not a surprise. <laughs> but there still have to be boundaries there. And it was, um, I think it was Brian Mills that said at one point, every night at eight o'clock, he just turned his phone off. And that was really helpful to me because at the time as a student pastor, I was a student pastor. Brian was a student pastor as well. And he was a student pastor at this gigantic student ministry. I mean, it was one of those like, man, how can, how can we model some of the things that he was doing at Long Hollow? And to hear him say that there was just a cutoff period for him yeah, was very freeing for me. Like, okay, if you can do that and do all that you're doing there, surely I can too. I can't say that I did that all that well. We had to learn some lessons later down the road. But I do think it's incredibly important because what happened with me is I neglected my family because I wasn't able to turn it off. And I led... Crystal, my wife, in not ever turning it off either because we're in it together. And so both of our minds were always in that direction. And there wasn't a point at which we were able to shut off 
and differentiate between our job and our personal spiritual walk. Yeah. So it was just like a total, we didn't get to the place where we were burnt out, but we were very weary. Mm. And I think it's important to guard against that. Yeah. Um, something else, another habit of, of people who are high achievers is that they expose themselves to content that's going to, mm. it's going to challenge them. Yeah. For some of you, that may be this podcast and man, I can't say enough how thankful we are to be able that you would listen to this. I yeah. mean, it is an honor and a blessing that you would turn this podcast on and listen to it. So thank you for that. But podcasts, books, whether on paper or in audio, blogs, other people, high-achieving people surround themselves with content that challenges them to keep pushing, that helps them evaluate themselves, identify weak areas, grow in strong areas, all of that conversation. They expose themselves to great content. And I would say you can grow by exposing yourself to a lot of different kinds of content. It doesn't have to all be ministry strategy books. Yeah, that's right. But reading biographies of great mm. leaders and if you're a history person, digging into church history and world history. and Podcasts I mean, about The Bachelor, uh, all important. Podcasts about The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you listen to? I listen to three different ones. All about The Bachelor? I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. But well, you have a, we, your we commute live, is long. We live in a work. commuter city. We live in Nashville. So my drive is about 35 minutes in and out. And I use that time wisely, sometimes with The Bachelor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all You just said they're all beneficial. I love it. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, immediately you hear as a non-bachelor person, you think, man, that's a lot of bachelor content. <laughs> but so like, if when, like if I were to say, man, I listen to these video gaming podcasts, Julie would be like, man, that's a wow. lot of video game content. Yeah. It's just, Teach it's, his own. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that's also a great way some of that content you need to be able to unplug from what you're doing so you have some brain space to actually process some of the other things. Sure. And so I think it's important to have some of those some of those hobbies and releases yeah. just to be able to hard stop. And using your drive into work or out to work is a great time to do that so you're not taking time away in the evening from your family or whatever you're doing. There's so many times during the day where you can use that time to read 10 pages or 15 pages. So... It doesn't have to be two hours of your every day. Yeah. Yeah. While you're exercising, while you're mowing the grass, while you're riding into work, uh, I've found, and I'm going to say something that is aspirational for me, not, it is not embedded as a habit for me yet, but I've found that there's about 30 minutes at night that's kind of after we put our kids to bed, Chris and I hang out, we may watch a show, we may talk about our week, whatever. There's that time there that we spend together, but then there's usually about 30 minutes or so as we're just kind of winding down and, and restfulness kind of sets in that a lot of times I find myself on my phone. And I think we're good at for that period of time after we put the kids to bed and hanging out or talking or having a show on that the devices are away. But then it's the last thing we do before we go to bed. And I'm 
that time, like it would be so easy to grab a book and say, okay, I'm going to knock out 20 or 30 pages of this thing as a part of the winding down process. Yeah. That would make a huge difference in you being a person or, and me being a person who has habits of someone who is a high achiever is recognizing those times and saying, how can I change the content that I'm putting in right now? That's going to help me. My wife does that every night before she goes to sleep. And part of it is she needs, she needs something like that to get her mind to stop is what prompted that. Yeah. But she reads about a half an hour every night. She cranked through like nearly 30 books or something like that last year. Just with that moment. And she's a stay at home mom of four kids and a small business owner. So it's really, it's just that, it's that 30 minutes. She'll block out 30 to 45 minutes for a quiet time every day. And she blocks out about 30 minutes for just leisure reading every day. And when I say leisure, like she's spent this whole last month reading about racial justice and stuff. So for her, it's not a lot of novels and stuff. But the list of books that she has digested... When, when she walked through her Kindle list, I was like, good night. <laughs> you crushed last year in the reading game. Yeah. That time makes such a big difference. I don't, I don't think we know how much time we waste. Yeah. And Apple has like tried to help with the screen time stuff <laughs> and like shows you how many minutes you spend on it. Um, but yeah, just exchanging 30 minutes of that for 30 minutes of podcast or audiobook mm-hmm. or paper can make a huge difference. So we will be uh, giving you some clear action steps at the very end of this podcast. But before we get to that, we have a new segment called Topics from a Hat. Uh, And again, action steps on this topic come right after this segment. But um, this is where Nathan gets a physical hat. There are topics in it that Julie and John Paul and I have no idea what they are. And he pulls a topic, and we have to talk about it for just a couple minutes. It may not be ministry related. It may be. That's right. It's this is all pr- from the mind of producer Nathan <laughs> comes topics from a hat. This week's topic, the first one ever, topics from a hat is skydiving. Wow. Have you, has anybody ever been? No. Julie? Never been. Producer? I have not, but always wanted to. Okay. Would you do it now Mm. having a family? No. Did you want to before you had a family? No. (laughs) Oh, I would, no, I haven't, but I would totally do it. You would? Yes, absolutely. So I totally ripped off, Ben, Ben had an amazing Christmas gift for Kristen, is that okay to share your Christmas gift to Kristen? I'm kind, I'm kind of eager to figure out what it, what you're about to say. Well, like you said, you're getting her a Christmas gift every month. Yeah, yeah. We call it this year. I'm calling it's Christmas for Kristen. So the 25th of Aww. every month, I like I wrap it in Christmas wrapping. We've only had one so far. <laughs> what a great but, idea! Yeah. It is. It is a killer idea. And so when Crystal's birthday was rolling around, I was like, man, I like that so much. And for fear of just being a straight up copycat. I, I, You're allowed her, to copy good practices. Yeah. Her birthday <laughs> present is a year of experiences. Nice. So once a month, we're going to do an experience, which is the uh, House of Cards this month. That's why she doesn't know about the yeah. House of Cards. So which, I for those about, of you that don't live here, it's a rest, magic-themed restaurant. It's 
not from the show. Right. Has nothing to do with the Netflix show. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> so I always call it Game of Thrones because I can't. I can't remember. Like, they're in the same I'm category like, Are we going to Game for you. Of Thrones tonight. It's like wrong show, man. Lost <laughs> <laughs> the cards. But I thought about doing skydiving because like man what an experience but then yeah. right behind it i'm like and if we both die then we've got four orphaned kids you that's, have a higher no, likelihood true. of dying in a car wreck though probably but you right? have to drive that's true yeah it's true i say go I, for like, it but kobe is in my mind it's like helicopter ride oh. things in the sky yeah. are gonna you end go up on the ground either at the way point. you want them to or the way you don't yeah Man, uh, it would take a lot for me to do it. Like cash in a briefcase that I've seen <laughs> and deposited. What What would be more scary, skydiving or bungee jumping? Oof. Skydiving to me. I've been bungee jumping. It was pretty scary. I mean, either way, you're jumping, you're free falling. It's true. But one, you at least have something tied to your feet. That's true. You I get jerked don't... back up. Oh. But <laughs> I don't like those rides at like... Bush Gardens, the tower rides yeah. that you go up and just fall straight down. Ooh, yeah, they're pretty- Six Flags. Like everywhere has one of those. Mm-hmm. I don't like those. Here's what I do think I want to do. I and this just gives a little bit more time with my kids in case I die on the first one. <laughs> I think I would like to, when all of my kids turn 18, like if they want to, I'll go. Okay. Just make the commitment. If you want to go, when you turn 18, we'll go skydiving together. Did you let him choose between skydiving and a tattoo? No. (laughs) Although I'm not. (laughs) They should get tattoos. I'm not opposed to a tattoo. Yeah. On their 18th birthday. They would be the coolest 18th. Well, I mean, I don't know. This is not what we're talking about. (laughs) I know. There's so much. (laughs) We're going to get emails on this one. But the skydiving thing is something that I'm like, can participate in. You know, it's true. Yeah, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. You would go. I would go. Yeah, you, obviously you would go. I would go. Producer Nathan. Yeah, Tanner, one of the guys at Student Life, him and I've chatted about maybe going and seeing if Amanda, who works on the Fuse team, her husband does, is mm-hmm. a skydiver. Maybe about going with him or something. Are you guys gonna strap together? Not together. No. You and Tanner. No. <laughs> Do the tandem. I'd rather go with. No, someone with who's tandem, done it before. you have to have an instructor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, just, the not the both newbies would not yeah. be good. I just think it would be so. It's so professional on my back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to me, it'd just be so peaceful and cool. Peaceful's probably didn't sound peaceful. right, but to me, it would be just just the wind rushing by you as you like see all the amazing scenery <laughs> on your way down. As oh, you become be reconciled great. with your soon coming death. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Oh, there's that peace that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> Maybe it may be good for your prayer life. I don't know. It's that piece of ground <laughs> that's it. rushing up at you. All right, that was Topics from a Hat. That segment will be dripped in from time to time. This would be a moment, like, let us know what you think about it. Uh, If you have topics that you would like to be thrown into the hat, that would be awesome. You can find us on Twitter, at Student Ministry. So just put Topics from a Hat recommendation. So here are the action steps from today's Habits of a High Achiever. Number one, I think we can say the content piece, right? So go, if you're not actively listening to content that challenges you, that helps you grow, or that you are frequently around people that do the same, take that step. Um, Action step number two, spend a couple minutes evaluating how you organize your time, priorities, and calendar. 
and be willing to make some adjustments along that along that line. So here are some book recommendations on that very topic if you are so inclined. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, What's Best Next, How the Gospel Transforms Productivity um, is another one to look at. So those, are, those would both speak directly to uh, prioritizing time, calendar, getting things done, the productivity piece of that. Michael Hyatt also has a wealth of information on that. Other Checklist books that manifesto. you... Yes. John Paul recommends Checklist Manifesto. Um, I, other books that you'd recommend? I'd recommend Deep Work. Okay. Author is Cal Newport. It's really good. Great. Another one is Do One Thing. Warning. There are expletives sprinkled into that content. Great. Doesn't mean you can't learn from somebody that cusses. No, that's true. You just may not want to take that habit on yourself. <laughs> right. Yes. Saying no. That's something you can say no to. Yeah. Yes. This I'm going to draw the line. I can learn the content and I can say no to adopting any type of behavior that you deem not good for you. <laughs> or that goes against scripture even better, right? So, okay. Uh, any other action steps that you guys would throw into that? I think those are good action steps to start with. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. Perfect. Take a step. You'll be glad you did. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. See you next time.